Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Press Rewind Prince Lyrics Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Brenninger, and today we are going to talk about why you want to treat me so bad. Today I have a guest host, so this is the first time in my podcast that I have invited somebody else to come on to the show and talk Prince with me. I have with me today uh, Jerry Bonner, coming all the way from New Jersey. Hi, Jerry. Thanks for- yeah, hi, thanks for uh, thanks for having me. You know, it's uh, always a pleasure to uh, you know talk about uh, Prince and, and his music. I agree. Any, anyone and everyone who will listen, <laughs> I agree one hundred percent, one hundred percent. So thank you for agreeing to do this. Just because this is the first episode that you're featured on, I would wouldn't ask you to uh, please give a little bit of background for anybody who's listening who's never heard um, you on the podcast before and just maybe where you got your start with Prince listening to him and where was your your intro to his music uh it, it was I mean uh, most you know as most people above uh, the 80s of that era it was you know on the radio obviously um I, the first song I, I recall hearing and and falling in love with um was in you know 1983 was a little red corvette um and I, I distinctly remember that as like kind of a, you know, it's just one of those things I remember from my childhood. It was kind of like this weird kind of touchstone moment hearing that song and actually, you know, my radio had to, you know, boombox, you know, whatever was across the room. And I remember actually walking, you know, getting closer to it to listen to it like it would matter. But, you know, I was like <laughs> hearing it, you know, it was like, wow, cause this sounds so much different than a lot of the pop music, you know, I was, I was hearing at the time, you know, obviously knowing now it's, you know, the Minneapolis sound or, you know, that, that kind of thing. It just sounded so different and, and fresh to me. Um, and it just really grabbed me obviously right away, you know, and it drove, you know, pulled me out of my chair and I walked up closer to the radio to, to listen to it. And, um, so that was, yeah, that was the, the first, you know, time I recall hearing, you know, a Prince song. And then from that point forward, it was just, you know, any and all information that I could gather on, on the man and, you know, what, what the deal was with him. And, um, you know, 1999 was the, you know, the first album, um, you know, obviously that I, that I had of his and I, I didn't even, you know, being a, uh, you know, what a 12 year old, you know, kid at the time, um, <clears throat> didn't really have, you know, obviously too much money myself. So a friend lent me, you know, the, uh, the cassette and I, yep. you know, I, I copied it and, oh, yeah. um, you know, <laughs> Lots and, of that. yeah, so you know, and that was, you know, my, my, my first, uh, real, you know, exposure to it and that album and, you know, that album, um, I know we're going to be talking about, you know, some of his earlier stuff here, but, you know, 1999 just kind of, you know, really blew my mind on so many levels. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, being a kid, you know, you know, Catholic school, you know, kid, uh, hearing these kind of songs, you know, with, uh, so much energy and, and kind of sexuality, um, really, you know, especially songs like, you know, uh, let's pretend we're married and, and uh, lady cab driver uh-huh. just, just kind of, yeah, just kind of blew my yeah. mind. I was like, you, right. can, you can do this in music. What's, what's going on? <laughs> this is craziness. Uh-huh. Who is this man and what is he doing? And you know, it's how so, bold and audacious of him. <laughs> yeah. It really, you know, this is not your, you know, your mom and dad's pop music or, you know, yeah. it's just, you know, I never thought that, you know, of a thing that would, you know, music would be like this. So yeah, it did really, you know, just, that was, you know, hearing little red Corvette just opened a whole wider world in terms of, uh, you know, music and, and what music could be and, and should be, you know, moving forward for me. Yeah. Yeah. I would say that my story is very, very similar a lot of parallels there with that song in particular, Little Red Corvette, being the kind of the starting point for me as well. 
heard it on the radio. My sister had bought the the 45, and so I could listen to it whenever I wanted, which was always nice. You didn't have to sit and wait for it to be played on the radio anymore. Or yeah, or try to record it off the radio. Which well, was yeah, <laughs> right. There's, there's that. There's yeah. no shame. There's no shame in doing that. Oh, uh, hey, I, I you know. I have I, tapes I, and tapes. I, I, yeah, I, I wasted many, you know, many hours of my youth uh, chasing songs on the radio to record. So, yep. you know, yeah. yeah. So I think uh, 1999, the album, and Little Red Corvette, the song in particular, is probably going to be um, our common ground as far as like where we got started. Some people would say uh, Purple Rain, but by the time Purple Rain came, I was already a pretty big fan or as big of a fan as one could be as a, as a nine-year-old. So, um, yeah, excellent. Thank you. Thank you for that background. No, no problem. And so we're going to obviously go a little bit backwards then because 1999 came out in 82. Little Red Corvette was a hit in 83, but we're going back to the seventies for this particular episode. Now there was a, there was a, there was a time before the eighties. Yes, there was, there was a couple of (laughs) years in the eighties. I don't believe it. A few years where I was allegedly (laughs) alive. I don't have any memories of that, but yeah, (laughs) I was, I was born in the seventies. So that I know they exist somehow. (laughs) Yeah. No, I, the funny thing is, and this is the way, I mean, I, obviously I describe myself as, you know, a child of the eighties, grew up in the eighties, but I mean, I I was born in 1971. So I I do remember, especially the latter half of the the seventies very well. Um, and it's, you know, it's weird kind of having both the perspective of the seventies and, and the eighties remembering, you know, the disco era and everything that, you know, kind of went with that, you know, and then moving into, you know, the eighties, uh, from there. So 1979 Prince released his second album, the self-titled album Prince. I want to be your lover was a decent hit for him on the R and B charts. And I think it went pretty high on the pop charts as well. But the song we're going to talk about is the second song on the album, Why You Want to Treat Me So Bad, which was released as a single, but it, it really didn't do much, didn't chart on the pop 100, top 100 charts, which is kind of a crime in my mind because the song, in my opinion, is, is so good. I don't know why it didn't chart. I'm thinking he just didn't have that crossover audience to, to catapult a, a rock-based song of his onto the charts yet. I don't know what your thoughts are on that, but yeah, I would tend to agree. Um, I I think, you know, to me, I mean, obviously that's the, of the, of the two songs there, I think there were three singles released off that album, but, Mm -hmm. um, that's the strongest song to me. Why, you know, why you want to treat me so bad? Um, for a a variety of, of reasons, but, um, I, I would guess, I mean, yeah, at the time, I, I don't know if you had, you know, I, I'm, I'm guessing that, you know, and, and this is just, you know, pure speculation because I was, you know, in 19, I was eight years old in 1979, but, um, right. you know, obviously hindsight being 2020 and, and looking back on it, I would guess, yeah, that like you, you kind of alluded to that, um, the world wasn't ready for that kind of crossover artist. I mean, I think, you know, they like to pigeonhole people, obviously, you know, the, the, you know, mm-hmm. the music industry and Prince was seen as probably an R and B artist and, he, you know, what's this R and B artist doing? You know, recording, you know, which what's clearly rock pop type song, and having this, you know, kind of cool like guitar solo at the end of the song, and it, it just, you know, and it's got keyboards and it's this, and they're dancing around, and it's so what's what is it? And I think that was probably its unfortunate uh, most uh, or biggest detriment was that people just didn't know what to do with it or how they could classify it. Uh, yeah, yeah, because you know, soft and wet. I guess. 
Softin' Wet and I Want to Be Your Lover were were crossover songs, so to speak, I guess, on the pop charts. But they were both very similar in terms of like being dance, disco, R&B. But this was different. This was a little yeah. different. And so it might have crossed over a little bit on the R&B charts because it was from a, an artist that had already uh, done well on the R&B charts. But it it just wasn't going to make it on the pop charts just because I don't think it had the the push from um, the record label in the same way that I Want to Be Your Lover did. There was a music video, which, you know, I don't know where music videos were being played in 1979. I really don't have a sense for that because MTV obviously didn't exist. But right. I don't I, know I if there were, I like, late-night shows or something on cable. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that would there was... Um... I, I, I'm forgetting the name of it now, but but yeah, there was like a late night rock show um, that a lot of times would obviously want live performances. Um, but in lieu of that, they would play these, and that's why I think a lot of the, the early videos too were were more, you know, performance based rather mm-hmm. than conceptual things. That you know, the conceptual pieces I think you know became more you know in vogue you know as, as mtv you know kind of exploded and other other yeah. people were like oh you yeah. know we're doing look at what we're doing with these songs and we're making like these little movies but yeah most of them were performance based and you know obviously why you want to treat me so bad was one of those you know this kind of um, a band on the stage doing their their thing and yep. jumping around yeah men, most of prince's early videos were like that i mean exactly, I, yeah. I, to be honest most of his videos period were like that <laughs> but anyway yeah especially, their, especially the early ones right yeah i mean up until i mean even the ones off you know the majority of the there were a couple i think that i hadn't seen until recently that you know they were the 1999 ones were the, the famous ones were you know obviously performance based too 1999 and little red corvette and you know you, i distinctly remember seeing those all over the place um but yeah there were i think there was a couple even then that you tried to break into like some of the lesser known songs they did record like make some videos for that maybe kind of went into some conceptual ideas and rather than just having a, a performance based you know thing on a stage so yeah yeah yeah, that was for par sure. for the course then. Okay. Well, thanks. Um, I think now I'm going to just kind of break down the lyrics a little bit because that's really what the focus of, of this podcast is, is taking a look at the, the lyrics of Prince's songs and seeing if there's anything in there that really kind of stands out as being like a unique turn of phrase or a unique way to say something that um, other lesser artists might just put out there in, in a very basic way so and i want to and why you want to treat me so bad prince is is taking on kind of the role of of the whipping boy um the boyfriend who's been done wrong and this is it feels like this is a role that he takes on in a few songs especially oh, early yeah, on no, in his no, yeah, most, this is not a, yeah this is not something that is is new new ground for him or and it won't be the last time obviously either I'm looking at it real quickly, just the, the first verse. He says, there's some talk going around town that you really don't give a damn. It's, they say you really put me down when I'm doing the best I can. 
I gave you all my love. I even gave you my body. Tell me, baby, ain't that enough? What more do you want me to do? So he's 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 um, basically complaining to his his girl that you know she, people are talking about her and him and that she's being disrespectful to him, treating him like dirt, especially when even when he's not around, like just talking talking shit about him basically behind his back <laughs> that's tough 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 to hear that i guess yeah no you never want to hear that second hand <laughs> you don't want to hear no. it at all but it, it would be no. the worst second hand um, yeah like hey i heard you yeah I heard you, you know, talking shit about me talking, <laughs> what, what did i do that? i'm like you know i'm doing all that i can here and yes that that definitely was uh, you know a, a recurrent theme obviously in in later albums too right and that's always my first thought is like who is this evil woman or who is this evil person that is doing <laughs> this to this poor man yeah. or this poor woman it's like god you know and um so yeah i mean that was obviously my first thought about it and um it always seems to you know and obviously in to me again you know if hearing this you know being younger just um always the the illusions of uh, or alluding to um even talking crap on his like sexual performance in a sense it's like i you know i give i'm giving you everything and you know you're going to talk behind my back and i yeah, even gave you my body right i even <laughs> i let it, you know ain't that enough that's what he says in the next line it's like, you know it's yeah. that's enough so what uh yeah those are the things that grab me obviously in the first verse and it does obviously set you know, kind of a, a, a really good tone to tell the rest of the, the tale here. It's, you know, it's like, I'm doing everything. And, you know, that seems, you know, there's a couple other songs that obviously explore that. Uh, I'm giving you everything that I can. And, you know, and this here, here you are, right. Here you are. You can just, you know, continuing, you know, to, uh, to shit on me. And uh, I don't, I'm not understanding it. So tell yeah. me what I need to do to make this right. And unfortunately, a lot of times, I mean, as grown men now, we understand that you can do everything right and still fail. And, uh, yeah, if you're not the one, you're not the one, doesn't matter what you do. Exactly. And you can sing a thousand, no matter how hard you you try to be the one for her. If you're not, it's not going to be enough. You can, you know, do whatever, move heaven and earth. And I said, like write a thousand songs and send all kinds of gifts and flowers and whatever. It's just, you know, if that person isn't feeling it, then you may as well just move on. So that's, you know, a lot of times when you hear these songs, especially now, it's like, all right, man, just, you know, she don't love you. Move on. <laughs> That's, you know, your response. When you're younger, it's like, oh, you know, you you feel it a bit more. I think it's a bit more visceral. Okay, so then we get to the chorus, and the chorus goes, I play the fool when we're together, but I cry when we're apart. I couldn't do you no better. Don't break what's left of my broken heart. Why do you want to treat me so bad when I know I love you? How can you do this to me when you know I care? Why do you want to treat me so bad when I know I love you? But anyway. Well, actually, you know what's funny, too, is that, and I saw this in a, a video a while ago, I mean, I think there's a, a part and when he does this song or when he did this song live where the crowd would scream like bitch. Yeah. Yeah. 
And you're right. You're right. Yeah. And so maybe, yeah. I don't know, maybe, were you waiting on that? Is that? <laughs> maybe. maybe I was subliminally waiting for Some the waiting part. on the bitch part. Yeah. Like, why isn't that the official lyrics that I'm looking at? I'm looking at, I'm literally looking at the, at the record because I have this on vinyl. Okay. So the chorus, yeah. The chorus, it's just more of basically Prince um, essentially complaining and, and really just very confused with this woman. Why is why is everything that he's doing not enough you know he he cries when they're apart um he feels like he can't do anything any better couldn't do you no better so obviously he feels like he's giving her the best that he can from a sexual standpoint (laughs) so congratulations to him on that but it's just not enough once again as we already mentioned and she treats him she still treats him like dirt um you know he doesn't really care that his heart's breaking every time he does she does something to him that just makes him feel like she doesn't care about him and that's essentially what it boils down to she just doesn't care about him yeah and that was the thing i mean you know it's again it's i i just always wondered you know what what just you know what's the the fantasy and the reality here is it you know was this was he like this in real life too with his with his women and did he always kind of take this plaintive you know kind of uh stance um you know plaintive pleading almost you know, and that, I mean, that again, that's, you know, like, not really separating, I guess, the art from the artist, um, you know, just kind yeah. of thinking along those lines. That's where my mind goes. It's, you know, and I think we've all, both men and women have been there where, you know, you've had somebody who you feel this way about. And like we were, you know, saying previously, it's, you can scream and cry and, and kick and <clears throat> kick and moan, and it's just not going to help it. This person doesn't, you know, feel what what you're feeling for them, or can return those feelings. You know, it's best, you know, rather than to kind of keep, you know, kicking and screaming. It's best probably just to to move on, and that's kind of the the thing you want to tell Prince. It's like, hey, man, just you know, move on. <laughs> right, right. I mean, you you are Prince after all. <laughs> yeah, it's I know. I don't think you're going to be hard up for ladies moving forward, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> yeah, I know in the moment it seems bad and it seems terrible, but I'm sure you know there's. You know Sheena Easton and whoever else around the corner. So just uh, yeah, you know, exactly. buck up, little, buck up, little soldier. <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, he does come across very neurotic uh, mm-hmm. in this song, and oh, yeah. and it just you know I think whatever it could be part of his being so young when he wrote this. I mean, damn, he was like twenty, twenty-one years old at the time. Oh yeah. And and speaking from a former twenty, twenty-one year old man, I can tell you that I was not nearly as confident in myself at that age. And um maybe he wasn't as well. Who knows? I mean, he always had, I'm sure, a level of confidence that many men never can can achieve. But at the same time he was young, it's still unproven. You know, you just don't know until you until you get that feedback, until you have those relationships. And if you're in a first couple of girlfriends that you have, don't give you that uh, instant gratification, that immediate feedback. You're like, oh, man, you start to get in your own head a little bit. Like, does she not like when I do this? Am I being too needy? Am I not being needy enough? Uh, Do I not call her enough? And just all these things can go on in your head and, and make things worse. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're, especially at a, a younger age, and I, you know, you said it, and I, I, I was obviously in the, you know, late teens, early twenties. Yeah, you want to come across as uh, confident, but it, it is difficult because, yeah, I mean, you, you know, somebody says they love you or they care about you, but you know, and do you ever really, really know that? You know that? Do right. you know? I mean, that's the it, they can say it a thousand times, and 
you know, it's still that, you know, the question in the back of your mind. And, you know, yeah, we're looking at this again, like I said, hindsight 2020 being older, more experienced men. But at Prince's age, you know, in his early 20s, I'm, I'm sure that uh, if I was writing song lyrics at the time, I, I would have churned out a few uh, along these lines as well. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you know. Exactly. Then the next verse, pretty short from a lyrical standpoint, they got verse, chorus, verse, chorus, and then, then you get the the most excellent guitar solo towards the end. Uh, but anyway, the the next verse goes, "No, I try to, I try so hard to keep you satisfied. Sometimes you play the part. Sometimes you're so full of pride. And if it's still good to you, why you want to treat me so bad? You used to love it when I do you. You used to say I was the best you'd ever had." And then it goes into the chorus again. So here he goes again, explaining and trying to um, gain understanding of the sex is great. We're, we're assuming the sex is great. And it's not just a one-sided <laughs> perspective. <laughs> well, you know, you know. Well, are you saying the prince is, you know, maybe uh, playing it up a bit, or you know, he's talking his, possibly, possibly. You know, <laughs> um, you know he's talking. You know, there's no, been no men in history that ever the, exaggerated listen. their sexual performance. What are you telling me? <laughs> No, never, never. He's the first that's done that? <laughs> yeah, quite possibly. Yeah. Um, but he even tries to put it in there to make it seem like it's uh, it's not my words. I didn't, uh, you know, this isn't me saying, this is you saying. You used to yeah, say you, you I was me. the best exactly <laughs> so that's, I think... you know, that's that's a theme, again, that she said in other songs, too. I mean, uh, you know, moving forward, I mean, the, the one that I think, to me, I think is it's on par with this one. I think even this that one goes a little bit further is um and it's you know not a, a, a widely known song a lot a lot of fans would know it is irresistible bitch how yeah. you know yeah how downtrodden the guy in that song sounds and he's you know the, in that song you know the, he's given her his car and all kind you know it's like it's, this is yeah. very much along the this, you know I guess irresistible bitch is kind of the next step if if you don't walk away at this point at the end of this song. With this, this woman doesn't love you. That's going to turn into what you know was going on in Irresistible Bitch. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's you know, yeah. I, again, it's, you just want to like kind of as as an older man, it's like oh, I want to shake the guy and be like, dude, just move on. But um, yeah, you know, again, these are life lessons he needs to learn. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, everybody's got to everybody's got to come to this realization on their own, and he's he's doing it right there in front of us on in song, and on his albums. Basically, like whether or not this is a real situation, a real character he's playing, or if this is just like okay, well, I'm gonna write this song from the perspective of somebody who who's being treated like dirt because that's an interesting topic that people can relate to. We don't know. Um, there, I haven't. I think you mentioned you tried to find out if there was any anecdotes about the song that would indicate who it was written about or if it was written about anybody in particular. I never came up with anything either. Yeah. I said, you know, the, I mean, the first thought I said was, you know, obviously, you know, Susanna and then who mm-hmm. seemed to kind of inspire a lot of those, you know, what the hell are you doing to me woman, you know, type songs later on. And, um, if, if funnily enough about that is too, and it's, I guess maybe I'm going off a little bit of a tangent is 
I actually never really saw any pictures of her or knew what she looked like until fairly recently, within like the last year or so. I, I the first I think it might have even been you that had pointed me to it was there's an extended version of the girls and boys video mm-hmm. from uh, Under the Cherry Moon that she's in. Yep. And that was the first time I had ever really seen her. And I was like, okay, now I said, then she is obviously a very beautiful woman. And I was like, okay. I said, now I kind of understand why he was so, I guess, uh, smitten with her. Sheila E was in a circle around that same time. And obviously she's very beautiful as well. So, oh yeah. I mean, you know, I'm sure he wasn't lacking for, you know, dance partners. It was just why you like continue with that one. And uh, yeah, that's, that's a good point because that's once again, as you mentioned previously, this is this, this song in particular, he's very, he's making it very clear that he is not being treated well. He's being talked about behind his back. He's being dogged in front of his friends and in front of strangers basically just dragging him through the mud whenever and just using him basically using him we have to assume that she's using him for sex at this point based on the lyrics that he's written uh yeah yeah it's like hey you're the best i ever had but you know i don't really care about you (laughs) and and, you know that 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 could be fun for a while but in this song you, you get you get the feeling that that's not He's not feeling like, okay, well, this is fine. We can just have sex and it could be all good. And yeah, I mean, at, at friends the, with benefits. He's not sure. into that. <laughs> right. And, you know, those terms weren't really, I mean, I, I wouldn't, I guess, wouldn't know what the, uh, they didn't really have like, you know, kind of the, the, the interesting terms that, you know, we have these days. You know, I, I guess at that point it was just, uh, you know, in 1979, they would say, oh, well, it's just a casual thing. I, I don't know if there was any kind of slang for it at that point but um that seems like it is here yeah this this woman is you know looking at him as more uh just somebody who you know who in the moment might be a good time and then he's obviously again to use more of the vernacular of today you know catching feelings and you know she's not so yeah he's definitely got feelings oh yeah he's definitely caught feelings (laughs) you know when you know i love you you know why you want to treat me so bad it's yeah yeah, you know yeah he says he's got a broken heart he says he loves her the whole the whole song, the lyrics of all the entire song indicate that everything points to him being in love with this woman. So, yeah, it's he's got it bad. And unfortunately, she doesn't. So there you go. That's <laughs> that's yeah. the gist of the song. Why you want to treat me so bad? He yeah, the, the he title is a bad situation. The, right. the title isn't masking anything. You don't, no. Really, <laughs> no. you don't really need to think about it too much or analyze it too much when you know that's Not the really. title. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's very clear what he's yeah. what he's singing about and for the perspective yeah. of of the lyrics, it's very clear. So if any other final thoughts on the song, Jerry? Otherwise, I think we probably said everything that there is to say about why you want to treat me so bad. I think it's an excellent song. Obviously, yeah, you do as well. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, there aren't um, a, a lot of his earlier stuff. I I didn't come to uh, until later. And again, I, this is something I think we you know we we had talked about maybe a little bit beforehand. But um, it was more about I guess um, you know being a kid and not having a, a ton of money. I, you know, I couldn't buy a lot of. I would come to a point like a flashpoint with certain artists, or and that could be anything. You know, a comic book, a music, or whatever, and you would want to know more about the back catalog, but it always, that always required you obviously buying more stuff or, or somehow finding someone, if you could find somebody that had the earlier albums or things like that. So I didn't come to, you know, the, the first two albums until I was probably in my early twenties. Um, I had a little bit more disposable income. Um, anything previous, 
you know, to, to 1999, I, I really didn't hear in, until then. And uh, kind of discovering uh, the first couple albums, there's only a couple songs that I, I really, you know, got into. And, you know, Why You Want to Treat Me So Bad is one of those. And, um, you know, and I guess the, the two, you know, things that I guess, you know, as, as postscripts here to, to follow up, uh, rather than just, you know, kind of going through the lyrics are obviously the, uh, the exceptional uh, guitar solo at the end. One of the one of the first examples of showing you know Prince's prowess uh, on the, on the guitar, and uh, you know it just it, it's kind of placed in a, in not in a, in, a, in a way like a, a guitar solo is in a lot of rock songs. Usually it's like you know right in the middle there's the the guitar solo break, and this is obviously placed towards the the end of the song, which makes it I think a little more interesting as well. And so it, you know hearing that you know for the first time it's like okay wow you you're you know you're hearing, you know, these kind of massive, you know, guitar licks, you know, from this guy. And it's, you know, it's, it's kind of cool hearing it, you know, that far back as 1979, pulling out a little bit of the, 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 the finger tapping stuff that, you know, that Eddie Van Halen, you know, made uh, popular, you know, a year or two before. So, um, or right in the same, you know, time on the, you know, their first and Van Halen's on Van Halen's first album. And then I guess the, the second thing is, is, and this is something, again, I came to later as well. This is, one of the songs, I guess, that Andre Simone kind of uh, claims as uh, he worked on quite a bit, um, and Prince really didn't give him the, the proper credit. Yeah, that is true. Um, and you know, he was still kind of, I guess, you know, forwarding that whole auteur thing. You know, the you know produced and recorded and you know performed and written by Prince. You know, that whole moniker, you know, thing that he carried through on all his albums, and that was his selling point. Obviously, it's like, oh, here's this, you know phenom who you know does everything and this prodigy and i guess you know giving credit to people at that point still wasn't you know uh his thing you know he, he just was like all right well you may have worked or he downplayed contributors uh you know credit uh and you know that i i know from reading various things that you know andre takes uh, contention with that that he contributed quite a bit to this song um and it was obviously something that we saw, you know, that played through as a theme in even in Purple Rain, the movie. You know, he wouldn't use Wendy and Lisa's music and then finally, you know, has an epiphany and does and, you know, da-da-da-da and it, everything's all right after that. And um, so, yeah, I mean, obviously, I think, you know, that was something he knew about himself. But uh, at this point in his life, wasn't ready to uh, accept that or, or move forward with that and give people proper credit where it was due. And. I mean, Prince's, you know, obviously can't, you know, speak to that anymore. And I don't even know if he would have addressed it. But, you know, Andre obviously says that, uh, you know, he contributed quite a bit to the song. So there's that. You did make some good points about the credit and or lack thereof for some of his earlier stuff. <laughs> and I've read and I've read the same things about why you want to treat me so bad. And, and I think that basically started the rift between Prince and Andre to the point where Andre wanted to leave the band so he could strike out on his own. Prince's um, what I read what he said about the whole situation was that you know he contributed some stuff that you couldn't even hear <laughs> so he yeah right, tried he, to right. downplay it oh yeah no, he, he, yeah he in his you know that that you know obviously very withering Prince way you know said I think he <laughs> what was it he he um he only did he did some backing vocals that you couldn't even hear I think is how he <laughs> exactly. addressed it or something along those lines yeah. You know, and that's that's Prince. You know, that was oh yeah, he did this, and it wasn't even that big a deal. So yeah, right. So, <laughs> and also, I think he also blamed uh, a typo by the the record company. Like, oh well, I wanted to give you credit, but yeah, um, they, right, they right. totally screwed it up. It's not my fault. They they didn't put your name on there. So yeah, that's that's a, that's kind of a, that's kind of a big typo, I would think. 
Well, yeah, especially when it comes to maybe uh, publishing rights and yeah, making right, money exactly. off a song. <laughs> right. You know, if you can share some revenue, you know, future. You know, I mean, yeah. that's like a legacy type thing. I mean, as far as I know, those, you know, you know, you, you get songwriting, like, you know, checks in the mail for whatever, you know, in, in perpetuity, as they say. And, um, true. you know, so poor Andre is still, you know, not getting those checks from why you want to treat me so bad. <laughs> correct. That is correct. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, Jerry, for joining me. Is there anything that you want to plug or is there, uh, can anybody find you on social media that you would want to share here? Uh, yeah, you know, uh, Twitter, I'm on Twitter at, uh, you know, at Jay Bonner, uh, 71, J B O N N E R 71. Um, you know, that's where I do most of my, uh, most, most social media stuff these days. Um, and, uh, not really plugging anything at the moment, just kind of doing my thing. All right. Well, thank you for joining me. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, hopefully we can do it again. So once again, I just wanted to thank Jerry Bonner for joining me on episode number 11, Why You Want to Treat Me So Bad, off of Prince's second album. The Press for Wine of Prince Lyrics podcast can be found on Facebook and Instagram using the Press for Wine Prince Lyric podcast search. You can find me on either of those sites as well as Twitter. I have a social media presence there as well. So thanks for listening to the Press Rewind Prince Lyrics Podcast. I've been your host, Jason Benninger, and until next time. Ah!